0: Monday night, and welcome to Graphic Policy Radio, the show where comics and politics meet. We're the podcast for people who noticed that the Marvel Comics history column we run has a Howard Zinn joke in the title and think that's a good thing. Joining me is actually one of the, is the writer of said uh, column, uh, but real quick, here's what we're doing today. Um, we're going to be discussing Avengers Infinity War, Thanos Demands Your arrows is my name for the episode. Um, This means that tonight is our conversation around Avengers Infinity War movie. This is going to be a highly spoiler-laden conversation. We are gonna assume that you have seen the movie if you're listening to this. If you have not seen the movie yet, you should go do that and then come back. Um, So joining us to discuss the Marvel Cinematic Universe's biggest crossover to date, our guest experts are uh, are two fan favorites of the podcast, actually who are both Marvel fans and have a bit of an academic bent. We have Stephen Adwell. He writes about the intersection of history, politics, and pop culture at the People's History of the Marvel Universe for graphic policy. In his day job, he teaches public policy at City University of New York's Murphy Institute for Labor Studies. He's the founder of Race for the Iron Throne, a blog about A Song of Ice and Fire. And also joining me is returning guest as well, Brandon Wilson, a Los Angeles-based filmmaker who teaches at UCLA and Columbia College Hollywood, uh, where he is currently teaching classes on the history of critical analysis and a class on David Fincher. Wow, that would be really cool to take. Hello to both <laughs> of you.
1: Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I uh, saw the movie as soon as I was personally able to, which meant that I saw it <laughs> Actually, Stephen and I saw it together. Uh, We saw it at an ungodly late hour on Friday night, and I was plenty wired and energetic and energized by the movie, had a really good time. I feel like overall, um, people from the geek world certainly are having a very positive response to this community, and I'm sorry, to the movie. And and I do sort of think that, you know, this podcast being who we are, you know, we're definitely looking at this through the lens of people who have watched a lot of Marvel movies, and are coming at it with that sort of background, um, I have actually been putting together my thoughts on uh, what movies folks should have to see before they watch this, for those who are not as involved, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I want to start us off sort of by asking, generally speaking, like, do you think that this movie was successful at being an entertaining film, and do you think this movie was successful at it's other end in terms of like getting people to be more interested and charged up with the Marvel universe as a whole. Do you want to take that to start with David?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I would say that it's a successful film. Um, I would personally rank it. Um, Cause of course, how, where are we without our rankings of everything? I would put it around <laughs> the number, the number six slot to me. I would, for, for me it's i would it, it's starting at the top the first avengers i'm gonna i'm loyal very loyal to that one then guardians uh then winter soldier then um let's see I, the original iron man black Panther and then I would slide infinity war there I'm not loving mm. it as much as a lot of people are um but I think it's pretty strong and just you just have to really uh, be. You have to really applaud Marvel for this. The you know audacity of doing something like this, um, that is uh, you know a pretty huge cliffhanger. I was actually at a party. Um, I saw it uh, Thursday uh, because here in L. A. Now Thursday eight o'clock is becoming the the time for for the blockbuster to really make its debut. We, we we've gone past the sort of Thursday night, Friday uh morning, midnight show to like now it's <laughs> th- Thursday at eight. So and I usually don't do these. I usually will, will um uh wait till Friday, but I, I'm teaching uh like from from nine to six at Columbia College uh on Friday these days, so I decided to do Thursday instead. And I had a feeling also that I wanted to be among the first to see it and not have it, mm-hmm. you know, not, not waiting even a, a 24 hours, because I had a feeling this was going to be one you wanted to see right away. Um, so I, I, got to see it. Um, I think the, yeah, the audience was kind of stunned. There was definitely gas, I think towards the end. Um, I think it's a successful film. I think there are some things that I wish it maybe some that are somewhat minor that I wish it had the directions that it had gone in. Um, I think that it, it will, um, you know, it, it's definitely what I'm noticing is that what I'm very struck by is the lack of backlash. There's not people, the anger that one might expect when you have all these characters being killed off um, isn't there. But that may have something to do with the fact that these aren't maybe aren't the, the oldest characters. The old the original set of Avengers largely is unscathed. Maybe it's because it's the sort of second generation that's taking the hits, but although people did respond. But I'm very mm-hmm. struck by that. This is the fact that it just—I mean, you know—again, it's easy to take pop shots at Marvel Studios, at superhero movies, at Disney. But I mean, this is a pretty bold move uh, that they that they did, and uh, I think they deserve credit for it. Um, it could it could backfire. We'll see. It depends on what happens with Avengers Four. But uh, I think it was a it's a successful film, and of course, I have a lot more to say, but I'll I'll leave it there for now. Stephen, what do you think?
2: Um, I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I don't think it's um, perfect. Uh, there's uh, a particular issue I have with kind of what happened with Thor that we'll get into. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm really impressed by the, you know, um, as you said, by the audacity of it. By just leaving the audience with a huge, you know, shock and not neatly pulling everything together. Um, And that's sort of part of the audacity. You know, um, one of the things that I I wrote when I sat down to write something about it uh, that I think I still stand by after the second viewing is it's not quite as fleet of foot as Civil War was in terms of balancing screen time and pace and making us feel like most characters got a fully realized arc. There are definitely some characters who got a lot more screen time and a lot more uh, of an arc than other characters. But what we got instead, what was sort of the what we got for the sacrifice, to use the idiom of the movie, um, is this amazing kaleidoscope of character interaction. And some of my favorite movement uh, moments in the movie weren't so much the big fights, although the big fights were awesome. But like when Thor is just hanging out with the guardians of the galaxy and bouncing wordplay between everyone in the cast, you know, there is this sort of uh, like emotional payoff involved in seeing all of these characters that, you know, people have come to love finally mm-hmm. get to meet and interact and, you know, be sort of as amazed and confused and awestruck at the idea of a cinematic universe as you know a lot of us have been for the past 10 years.
0: Yeah, definitely. I you know, I I definitely would describe the movie as audacious as hell. I I don't feel like it's it's not like an artistic triumph that stands on its own merits the way you would say Black Panther is. Um and I don't like I don't think it's like I don't think it's a movie that's great outside of the context in which It exists, but that's fine. That's what we're here for, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And, you know, as someone who's been watching all the Marvel movies, and I don't think you need to have watched all of them. I do think you need to have watched a good chunk of them, and I think that that's reasonable. Um, I really did enjoy the movie, and I was incredibly impressed at the Russo brothers and the screenwriters, like the ability to keep us engaged in a million different story threads and beats happening with characters from all over the place at once and to juggle them successfully. You know, I'm not always going to agree with where they came down on who to emphasize and, and, and where to go with that, but it never felt like it was dragging. Um, and the, the, the sort of the pacing consistently felt good. And you did get to check in with pretty much everyone that you wanted to know where they were. The exception of course, being Valkyrie. The good news is that the Russos have announced that she did not die. Thank goodness. Cause I would have been out there with a fucking protest sign <laughs> um, Valkyrie, Valkyrie did not die off camera. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I, those things were all really were all pretty darn impressive to me. And one of the things that I thought was really most impressive to me is this is, is a movie that killed a female character, and it it mattered. The death of Gamora, uh, I felt like, was completely earned by the storyline. Zoe Saldana acted the fuck out of it. She just was tremendous, mm-hmm. and it was the sort like. For a Marvel movie to kill an, a, a character, I mean, I'm not a woman of color, but like, to, you know, to kill a, 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 a character played by a woman of color and have it not feel like a fridging, um, and this is entirely based on the work of this particular film, right? Because it, there wasn't that much done with her, to be honest, in either of the Guardians movies. Uh, really was impressive. And, there was um, a bit more um, in I the second realized, one. I, well, I should have realized sooner that she was going to be killed based on the fact that she was getting so much screen time and development Correct. for the first time ever. But again, like it was a death that mattered and it was earned and um, they gave, they gave her a great swan song on the way out.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to see, you know, daddy issues have really dominated the Marvel cinematic universe, but it's nice to see, um, you know, a female character kind of wrestle with that for a change just to, sort of change it up um, and I yeah I really thought that that her bond with Thanos really played and I yeah it absolutely deepened um, Gamora and it makes you sort of look back on the films the guard to guard previous Guardians films and and sort of understand what you know what she's sort of dealing with and coping with and what's what's going on with her that she even she can't necessarily talk about I think it, it, in some ways, you know, there was the sort of um, the douchey, that Landis kid, the douchey kind of feeling like, well, how come they haven't gotten together? And without really addressing it in a very on-the-nose way, you sort of understand why she's kept, um, you know, Star-Lord at bay, you know, at arm's mm-hmm. length, because mm-hmm. she knows that stuff's going on with Thanos. They've known that he's making moves and that this is not, he's not just sitting on his throne, he's actually... You know, this—they've known this was coming, just like you know, uh, more than probably the other characters in the in the in the universe. So it makes it gives her a lot more dimension, and you understand why there. You know, she's made that choice, and yeah, all of that, and the scenes with her and Star Lord were very affecting, very, um, you know, uh, and and, you know, a lot of earned emotion, and uh, yeah, and now of course the debate is raging, is since we're all assuming we're going to get a lot of resurrections in Avengers four, will she be among them? Um, I guess there's just the feeling that because she did not perish by the stone that she, although the stone can, the, the stone can bring back anybody it wants, mm-hmm. but I guess there's some feeling that her death is going to sort of stick if, as, yeah. if, if you will uh, and not be. And I'm, of course I'm not, I'm flashing back to when I was a, uh, a te- uh, you know, a tween and teenager reading comics and collecting the Marvel universe handbooks uh gamora and drax were in the dead uh book of the dead at the time you know they were they had they had been killed off i don't remember exactly the circumstances so you know for me i can see i could i've always sort of thought of her as someone who was kind of marked same for drax and you know i've, I've always thought of them that this is a very you know that meeting their end was a very real possibility so we'll see where they go with it but yeah it was uh, um i'm glad she got her moment I love, yeah, I love the hangout aspect of it too. And in fact, I kind of wish it was just a solid three hours and we had more time to <laughs> yeah. just hang out, you know, like a, like a Howard Hawks, a late Howard Hawks film where you're just kind of enjoying being with these characters. You know, I thought that, that Cap and Black Widow, I really wanted to know a lot more about what the hell they've been doing um, for the last two years, um, you know, what's been going on. But, you know, I also know that they really wanted it to move and they really wanted to to, to get to that, killer sort of ending um and uh, I, I understood why they didn't but i i would totally have totally been happy with an, at least like you know 15 to 20 minutes more of them just sort of uh catching up frankly
0: so, yeah i think you did a great job of matching up characters to have interesting dynamics and relationships and conflicts with each other um, yes mm-hmm. steve you were saying
2: uh, no, no, no. Let, let's go on to this. We'll we'll circle back around to my thing, because mine's more like theory speculation for what comes oh, next. Oh, yes,
0: I know. I have so much to say on this. So, um, I mean, in <laughs> terms of Who Met Who, I do think that, like, a lot – you know, I, I would have – having Shuri meet um, Bruce is, in many ways, the most gentle introduction to, like, white dude science bros that she could have had in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. And right. I, in, and am in the end of the day, I'm kind of glad that that's what it was. As opposed, I suppose I know a lot of people would just wanted her to like go smack John T- Tony and have an encounter with him, but I, I actually think that that was, that was that was that it was totally cool to just have her be the way she was with Bruce. I mean, were there particular combinations of characters that each one of you guys were just like, oh, I'm so glad this happened? Uh, you know, I I, I think like the, the 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 entire cast of Guardians of the Galaxy falling in, in love at Thor, with the exception
1: of (laughs) Star Lord,
0: who of course is like you're in the same territory as me. There can be only one. Was a very smart, smart call of the the role each one of them, those characters plays within their within their friend circle, frankly as well. But um, but yeah, Mm -hmm. what do you guys think about the matchups?
1: Yeah, I thought they were really well uh, played. Uh, I will just say my one. I just will we'll air my one grievance that I'm really, uh, really sorry and annoyed that the Defenders couldn't have a cameo in this, uh, yeah. in the sort of early New York scene with, you know, helping guard the Sanctum. But, of course, we understand that can happen. I'll move well, on. Um, I do <laughs> want to just say yeah. one
0: thing about that. When Tony is cordoning off the city when the aliens first show up, Tony mm-hmm. says specifically, get rid of everyone south of 40th Street. And I just was like, ah, they specifically said that so that health Kitchen would not be impacted. <laughs> by right. The I was right, like, let right, me look on right. this map. How can right. we make sure to keep, to,
1: keep Dark, to keep
0: Daredevil out of this? I will say right. nothing, everything sort of health Kitchen is being cordoned off for this fight right now. Thank you very right. much.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and it's just like look, it's a completely that was an organic way for them to just be there. That would make perfect sense, but oh well. I mean, you know, I, I'll never get over it. I actually wore my Defenders T-shirt the second time I saw it. The first time I dressed <laughs> like an adult, but uh, the second time I actually wore my Defenders T-shirt just in the my quiet protest that they're being excluded from the uh, the big get together. Um, you know, I guess you you really had to have Tony and Strange. Uh, it's not the like most fun. Uh, match up up because they're you know they're these two alpha male uh pricks and they're going to of course sort of just uh, constantly butt heads and and they've got they've come from these very different worlds and and where they're and they both feel like their expertise is really important um but it was nice to see sort of spider-man between them um no that that really played well um again i liked uh i i just really wanted more of the sort of uh the, the the commando Avengers, you know, um, the, yeah. the, the, I wanted more, I wanted to know more about Cap, Black Widow, especially like, you know, what, mm. what they've sort of been up to. And, you know, I, I, I know we've got like sort of bigger fish to fry, but I was, you know, that's the one where I thought we, we had uh, a lot of missed opportunity. Uh, and of course we finally got our, yeah, you know, they, they finally committed to the the Wanda and vision uh, love story, which, uh, you know, Uh, kudos to them again. I wasn't sure they were gonna go there, but uh, they they went there, you know. uh. And the
0: film did something smart with that because they actually, by introducing that love that 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 love relationship by having Paul Mm -hmm. Bettany's human face, is the only (laughs) way, let's be real, to sell this weird android as being someone that a human would be in love with. They were like, Oh, he's handsome, and then you're like, Oh, that's right, he's this android. But I, I would right. like, say this is very deliberate and well-played because it's, like, kind of gross in some ways. I, right. I, I also want to say this, though. I don't think that Wanda has a personality in the MCU. Like, what, mm-hmm. what is her personality? I couldn't even tell you. And that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If
2: you give me time, I think I could, I could come up with stuff. I mean, you know, there's the whole sort of like, second half of a twin thing. She's definitely sort of a little bit less experienced and naive, especially in, in civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, you get a sense here that she's something of a reluctant warrior that, yeah. you know, she perhaps isn't as committed to being a, a commando Avenger, uh, similar to how vision is, you know, starting to have second thoughts about being, uh, a Tony Stark Avenger. um, but, you know, I have to say, man, you know, when when she, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is like weeping at having to, you know, murder the man she loves to save the world. God, that really did. That really did play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her mm-hmm.
0: performance was good. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it was yeah, it just wasn't. Was developed as a character as I'd like. I mean, speaking of love, though, you know, Bruce and Natasha wasn't disgusting this time, which is probably because they barely touched. Well, a line
2: for that. Single solitary <laughs> line.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe we'll have to find out later. Um, you know, Black Widow supposedly is a, has a movie in the works, and I don't know. Maybe it'll be we'll fill in some of the lost years here. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it was interesting mm. that they just didn't even really you know not even a scene of them kind of catching up it was just the hello and that really was it um well you know
0: whose relationship is even more important and got even less time was cap and bucky they i mean i know that cap had seen bucky more recently than bucky had seen most of the other characters right cap brought him down there but like that was the most deflated hey what's up
1: But by
0: like reunion of two characters I could imagine. And, you know, I'm I'm actually fine with this movie not spending that much time with Cap in general, because I know he's going to be a huge deal in the subsequent one, frankly. But I would have thought that there would have been a little bit more to the Cap and Bucky reunion, like just something. I I can't help but sort of wonder if this is like a deliberate choice they made to just like spit on a fandom. I don't even fucking know because it seems just so I don't know. Yeah, Dizarre. there wasn't much
2: interaction between the Commando Avengers and kind of any of the other groups of characters, really. Like, of mm-hmm. of all the groupings. Like, they, you know, outside of Bucky, like, swinging Rocket around, yeah. they didn't really have any contact with the Guardians. They didn't meet up with Tony's group ever because, you know, they were sort of on their own side quest. Um, And, you know, they did just in general get less um, airtime and that's something that I'm sort of, you know, since they are most of the surviving Avengers, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. that's something that will be, um, you know, rectified in the second movie. But, you know, I can sort of see like reasons for why they were doing some of this stuff. Like, obviously you know, there's got to be a lot of time for Star-Lord and Gamora because of the way that um, her character acts as sort of a catalyst for the, the entire plot. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony, I'm guessing, got more screen time because he is a little bit more of a lynch, you know, an, an intersecting character between these groups. And also mm-hmm. because I'm guessing the fact that he was deliberately spared by Doctor Strange means that he has a very important role in the next film.
1: And then of right. course Vision
2: and Wanda and I think everyone else, you know, was kind of um uh you know, kind of towards the back of the line. Um but yeah, yeah, in terms of interactions like I I um I also want to add like in addition to the whole Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole, I thought that Thor, Rocket and Groot were a really good pairing. Um I would have liked to see more of Star-Lord and Spider-Man because like their, you know, pop culture thing would have been really interesting. Uh
1: yeah.
2: you know everything that that uh that you know Peter thinks of as a, you know a super old movie is for Peter, you know, those are the only movies he knows about.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I I really thought that that was a really cool to, to have them connect over. And, um, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, Tony spends a lot of time with Spider-Man and Spider-Man had a lot happening in this movie um, uh-huh. in particular, uh, which I thought was wonderful. Um, he is such a great and charming actor and his mm-hmm. jokes were so well done. Um, and it was, I, I, you know, I, I didn't cry during this movie and I, I, I would have thought I would have it's not a criticism, but it's an observation. I, yeah. I don't know if it's just because I know how things are going to resolve themselves. I mean, look, I, I don't think Loki is coming back anytime soon. I think Loki's going to come back maybe years, from, you know, years from now. Right. Like for like a cameo <sighs> or something, but I, I, you know, Loki dying was sad actually, but it didn't quite get me in the tears the way a number, a couple of the other movies have. Um, I actually was not surprised at all that Loki died early in the movie. I I don't know why in particular that felt like it was, it was bound to happen. And, you know, like I said, I do think Loki will come back, but uh, a long time from now, and at the actor's leisure, Um, I I don't want to get too close to talking about predictions for the future. I have many of those, but let's talk a little (laughs) bit about Thanos. I I want to, um, Ah. you know, in our last episode of the podcast, I was talking with my guest, um, James Hancock about the comics, were behind the movie, things like Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos Quest. And in those comics, Thanos is an MRA. He's like an incel, (laughs) quote, involuntary celibate. He's a sexist bro who is trying to kill half the world because death, who is female embodied in the Marvel Universe, he wants her to sleep with him. So he's going to kill half the world to get her to sleep with him. Um, I was really looking forward to that because that's such a super, you know, immediately political thing to deal with. Um, But instead, we have Thanos that has a different political motivation, which is also certainly timely and worth discussing. Um, I just want to quote really quickly a couple of wonderful tweets that I pulled up from the Internet Um, to quote uh, Daniel Ballow. Wasn't Thanos a member of the ruling family of Titan? Quote, killing rich and poor alike. Quote, my ass. That's not fair. Not everyone on Titan was equally responsible for the environmental devastation and unsustainable (laughs) use of resources. Fuck Space Prince William. (laughs) <laughs> and um, uh, nice William one. Jamal Richardson said, y'all calling Thanos reason for killing half the universe absurd and a plot hole when IRL, Europeans, hoarded enough material resources to feed 10 to 15 billion people, but chose to let half the species starve and complain about people having babies. Thanos is just a capitalist. Um, so, yeah, Thanos is a zero population growth racist. There we go. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think yeah. about Thanos?
1: So let me just say, I, I watched, I saw the film Thursday evening, and I went back um, last night. In between that, I listened to your episode with uh, James Hancock, um, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it because I, I learned a lot um, about the. You know, I, I Jim Starlin for me is the writer of Batman. That's kind of where I my my sort of that's where I kind of encountered him as a as a comic book reader, and I really missed the. Sort of all of the stuff as a reader, the first when it was all happening, um, because either it was before my time or when I took a sort of college uh, age hiatus from reading comic books. So I learned a lot from that, uh, from hearing listening to you guys talk and what you know you bringing up Thanos as a pickup artist. It kind of crystallized as I'm sitting there in the gym listening. I'm like, that's it. That's what is missing from. Uh, Infinity War is that there's just no crackling subtext as you get in like really most of the the, the, um, Marvel uh, MCU films and certainly the last, this really hot streak that they've been on there's something in all of them underneath. I mean, Black Panther, it's you know, it's barely underneath. It's pretty much what the film is about, about you know, all these issues of uh, of race and of the uh, uh, the black diaspora and the African diaspora and so forth. And then you know, the the class rage of Spider-Man: Homecoming, um, the colonialism uh, discussion in Thor: Ragnarok, and it's like it just it gives these films that extra. Uh, juice to just make them really engaging and with you know Infinity War we have this I, I it didn't come across to me like yes Thanos ha- has a certain philosophy behind what he's doing that you can argue but I really feel like the and I totally get why they didn't want to have to deal with a you know Im- a female embodiment of death pro- especially not after just having Kate Blanchett as the goddess of death and then that might be confusing and they're, you're not going to get Kate Blanchett back for, for Infinity War. Um, so I understand why they made that ch- the call not to eliminate that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it really kind of puts a whole different spin on the character. And I really think, um, in the age of me too, to, to, to present Thanos as this guy who's willing to do, you know, cause this, in the, all this pain, uh, and su- suffering on a just kind of unfathomable level because he uh he feels entitled to this woman i mean obviously that 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 would have really kind of ha- uh you know given it that extra uh that extra sort of a uh, bit of gas in the tank but you know so that was interesting for me to to sort of hear that and and sort of understand the character that way coming from that cuz it it definitely yeah, I, I, I somewhat now that I'm sort of looking back on it, I, I yeah, I feel like maybe that was a missed opportunity. But mm. again, I understand that you know this is a risky film already, and maybe that just was you know a bridge too far, just one thing you know one ornament too many on the tree, and so they just sort of just streamline it to you know it, it, there's too mu- there's too much life and it causes suffering. Even though yes, that doesn't that doesn't totally stand up. Uh, to reasoning but then again hey he's the mad titan i mean what do you want from him he's not going to (laughs) be i think there's a certain license that he's his his reasoning is flawed um, because you know he's thanos interesting though how brolin plays thanos with this sort of sexual swagger you know he's a very Mm. sexual sort of and, and maybe that that could just be josh brolin that may not be it may not be anything you know he just on may be page, uh, yeah right it may not be on the page it may not have been anything that either the russos told him to do but it definitely kind of comes across you know like uh uh that that you know thanos you definitely feel like yeah that guy he you know to 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 quote uh, uh silicon Valley, that guy he fucks that guy you know, so <laughs> uh, yeah you definitely feel that even though they chose not to so it's there the connection between sex and death it's if you feel it but yeah it would have been interesting if they had played it up a little more
2: um i i was wondering you know my sort of thinking about the the shifting from the sort of uh, incel thing is i don't know whether that motivation would have worked as uh sorry for a villain protagonist which thanos i would argue is in this film that He's the driving force of the action. He's usually a step ahead of the heroes. He sees himself as the hero. Is like the only sane man in the universe who wants to save the world. And he's got yeah. his little like collection quest. You know his hero's journey. Uh, you know you can chart all the sort of you know the the down moments and the up moment and all that um, are definitely there for him. And, you know, I I, as sort of crazy as his sort of population control, you know, um, elitist, uh, you know, kind of enviro-shtick is, like, you at least get the sense of him as a sort of uh, idealist fanatic, um, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of plays. Um, I think, you know, equally the important thing, um, you know, I haven't seen so much of this, is you also got the sense of Thanos as this kind of abusive parent figure. Yeah. That,
1: mm-hmm.
2: especially when, you know, the scene with um, uh, Gamora and, um, and Nebula and him, where he's, you know, torturing one of his children in order to make the other child you know, tell him what he wants to know. And the way that he sort of, you know, spins these sort of justifications around Gamora about, you know, the best part of you is me. You know, I really love you. You know, it hurts me so much that you say these things. And then by contrast, when he's talking with Nebula, it is just nothing but contempt. It is the sort of abuser unmasked. Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially the bit where, you know, she fights him on Titan and he just says, you know, killing you would have been a waste of parts. It's like, how dehumanizing can you be Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're saying to someone, you know, your hate is so inconsequential. You're not worth killing.
1: Right.
0: And I really expect, you know, based on the comics, particularly, like there's really huge room for Nebula to do amazing things in the next movie. Um, I do think a certain number – I think, obviously, Captain Marvel, you know, um, Carol Danvers is going to be doing a lot. But I I, I hope that they use Nebula in wisely as they have in the comics because um, she's like – in the comics, Nebula ends up being the hero um, yeah. for at least a little while. And uh, I thought that was cool. And, yeah, it, it was uh, – her being tortured was just really brutal – and you definitely just see how she was used to manipulate her sister the entire time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think this is interesting also because of the, you know, the last... What they're doing... from Thor Ragnarok, there there's a real interesting... Marvel clearly hears, you know, watch looks at Twitter and hears the comments and, 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 and knows that people criticize the villains. And they have really just you know gone to town on, on on improving that and you know one of the things they've done is they've you know really kind of moved away from they've they've created increasingly more sympathetic villains you know um you know even the, uh the vulture you know was really just kind of surprisingly sympathetic mm-hmm. um uh you know because of his the, his his backstory um and of course killmonger who i think frankly a lot of people who are used to watching sort of typical standard american fare were kind of dis, like disoriented by having a villain who's making a point you know who yeah. who, who has a point even if his his the way he carry, uh executes that point is sort of problematic and that really was almost sort of like i think a lot of people who just watch american films didn't a modern contemporary american films i should add because of course Mm -hmm. you watch 70s american films you see that kind of thing all the time (laughs) but uh you know and again kudos to marvel because i mean moral ambiguity is usually the thing people like william friedkin who of course loves to you know uh dismiss the superhero film uh and just on twitter actually yeah and and he is Yes, Sorry. I know. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he, uh, yeah. That's the kind of that's the thing he zeroed in on is what made the seventies cinema, you know, so great. And so you get it here, and yeah, and now we've we've gone pretty much in a way. Thanos is almost an obliteration of this line between sort of you know um hero and villain and yeah he is really the protagonist they even winked as much at at the end by saying Thanos will return rather than you know the avengers will return and he's the guy at the end it's him who sits contented and right i mean it's a very sort of radical film to, and 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 in some cases you know i know I, I my wife uh was a little disturbed by how much that the film gets you to identify with him and huh. you know, and, and that and that it's almost too much to human human uh, humanization of him, and uh, you know, for someone who's essentially out to, I don't, know, it's not exactly genocidal if you only want to kill half, right? So it's like <laughs> semi genocidal, I guess. But uh, well, yeah, but yeah, it's almost. I think it does kind of raise this question of like, are we completely just erasing the line between hero and villain? Because of course we've been doing that slightly slowly in the superhero film, DC included the last couple of years and now you know where we are right now as a as a country it's it does it is kind of an interesting thing to consider well, what, what what's going on
0: huh i you know I, I i usually would agree with your wife in terms of finding it really exhausting that they feel like they need to give us these you know villains for us to adapt over that the audience end up over identifying with and romanticizing with in ways that actually we, bring additional value to values that are fucked up values. I didn't feel that about Thanos and maybe it's because I was already familiar with the character, but I didn't find him like charming or like seductive in his arguments the way, you know, Killmonger completely is right. Right. I I didn't, I I didn't feel like, like uh, Thanos bridged that to me, but I see what she's saying. I mean, my, my, my only thing is I think like, you know, the original Marvel villain well, not really the original. One of the early Marvel villains is Loki, right? And Loki was the right. character who was given the most complete turnaround, predominantly because the audiences loved him so much and was right. to see more of him, and that's what it took to bring him back. Right. Um, yeah.
1: Right, and you um, do. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very complicated thing when you watch him killed because uh, yeah. On the one hand, you're like, you know, yeah, it's a character you've come to have some affection for, and then you remember the first Avengers where, you know, he, he tried to destroy, uh, you know, commit mass murder and take over the world, and, you know, he's done a lot of nasty things. So yeah, it's very interesting that 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 uh, how much how much, how how many of these characters you come to have very complicated relationships to. Um, you know, and uh, uh, I think that's actually you know a good thing, and like something that I kind of uh, I would applaud Marvel for. And it is highly ironic that this is being done in comic book films when again, people it's just such an easy target to make. Oh, it's just a comic book film and this and that, just much the way people dismiss westerns and often say, Oh, yeah, it's a western mm-hmm. white hat, black hat. It's like, I, which westerns are you watching though, my dude? I mean, it's like there's a lot of westerns, a lot, and actually, the best one. <laughs> where it ain't white hat and black hat and it's, it, it's actually, yeah, it can be, and yeah, really. I mean, that's really what it is. is I mean, they're, they're sort of doing, you know, the, our, our Westerns in a way where there's this mythology that is incredibly malleable, that is incredibly uh, uh, able to sort of uh, go into these different places and reflect where we are. Um, I mean, I, and that's the other thing about the film that I was really left with is how much it just kind of captures Trump era despair and in a way that is is to, to walk out with that was it, it, without the catharsis because you just can't have it yet this is sort of the mid-story beat down and we're gonna have to wait a year to get anything else but yeah it just was like it reminded me walking out of it reminded me of election day almost <laughs> like did that really just happen <laughs> I mean
0: people were saying it's dark that it was like the series empire but this is darker than empire strikes back this was a 100% yeah, darker than Empire Strikes absolutely. Back. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, you're right, right. Right, I mean, oh. he didn't kill Luke. He he, he just cut his yeah. hand off, and, but <laughs> right, right.
0: I mean, Stephen and I were in the theater together, and I definitely, like, the people sitting near us, I don't know if they just weren't familiar with, like, comic book logic or what, but they definitely seemed to think that everyone who was dead was going to be dead. Mm-hmm. It, it was hard for me to it's hard for me to be like, wait, is that what people are going to think watching this movie? You know? And it really made me feel like there's a significant chunk of the audience who will actually think that Chala's dead. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, he's not right. We, we right. know that he's that, that the gauntlet is going to get reversed and he'll be brought back. And we, mm-hmm. we know this in part because there's, uh, you know, another movie that's supposed to be coming. And we know it in part because the one that happened made so much damn money. But yeah. I wonder if there's a significant chunk of, of people who will be dismayed and kind of disgusted by the African hero being killed and will not be waiting around to see what happens next.
1: I have not so far, and I, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot, and it's not foolproof. But I've, from what I'm seeing and from hearing, talking to people and I'm talking to the students, um you know I work at a high school uh four days a week when i'm not uh uh teaching at columbia um it i i that's not the sense I get that people are kind of disgusted or feel betrayed they have their minds are sort of their their world is a little bit rocked, and I think I have had to tell some people privately like you know, they're they're coming back right you 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 get that and and I think there are some people who at least in the first 48 you know seventy two hours were really unsure um i've also seen people on twitter saying you know do you really think that after all the money black panther made you that they're really going to let that guy mm-hmm. stay dead and i guess some people thought oh well it hadn't they didn't know he was going to make that much money but yeah I, I do think that there's probably some people who are thinking that and are unsure and there are people are reaching out to find out like well is this really is this for real um uh, I yeah, yeah, it is, uh, but it doesn't seem like people are are particularly bothered, or they they're just kind of going with it. There there are a lot of people who are feeling things, and uh, we're really kind of devastated by it. But and you know, honestly, I wonder how much of it Game of Thrones is sort of teaching people to like yeah. take brutal, you know, turn <laughs> these kind of brutal turnabouts and just kind of take them in stride, and just know that. The story's not over. It's there's clearly everyone knows there's another Avengers film coming out, so maybe on some, just some some subconscious level, people just know well there's more to this story apparently, and yeah, and and that's what's so interesting about uh, Infinity War is as, as I've heard it described that it is in some ways the most comic book booky thing that Marvel's done um you know because yes it's like what's more comic booky than watching a major character get killed and that's at the end of an issue and you you know it, it, it happens i think almost all of the great characters have been dead at one point or another and of course the the source material uh it, you know did did just that but that's that that i find that really interesting that it, it's like people are getting that sort of crash course on this sort of comic book logic who maybe don't and they've only gotten it through the movies which have sort of mitigated it somewhat and not to gone the whole sort of comic book way. But now they're, mm-hmm. we're finally here to this sort of, you know, an un, 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 uncut, un, uh, <laughs> undiluted comic book where, you know, characters are being dragged into spaceships and going to the moons of Saturn and having battles there. It's like, we're, we're you know, we've come this, you know, in 10 years, exactly from Iron Man, which is could basically happen uh, essentially uh, mm-hmm. if technology allowed it to something that this, this, this is this is this big so it seems like people are sort of just trusting on some level innate level they're just going to trust that somehow this was going to work out but yeah it's uh i i just feel bad for people who brought small kids and didn't know uh oh. i have a six year i have a six-year-old who whose favorite three of his favorite characters are star lord spidey and tony stark and i but i just oh it's rough I, I just knew. I think like, I am, and I told them. And I thought, you know like, we're gonna have to. We are just gonna have to wait on that, sweetheart. You're gonna. I don't think you're, you you want to see this. But no, I saw a tweet about someone who had brought up someone who my son's age, six, in their Spidey costume, and the kid was just kind of like, "Is this real?" <laughs> at the end, it, yeah, that's that's I'm a, as a parent. Mm-hmm. That's at first. That's what I was thinking all the time because I knew, and I've been telling everyone, do not bring anyone under let's even say nine, unless it's a really savvy nine-year-old. Yeah. As the youngest, you probably don't want to bring them to this, which is also interesting. Of course, with the comic book movie, this whole thing comes up about who's it for? Is it for the kids? Is it for the adults? The obnoxious kind of preening about comic books movies not being for kids, which just seems kind of absurd. Um, yeah, and then Marvel's sort of now moving into this sort of same territory with this one. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm... I've, do, I've tried my best to let everyone know. Like, yeah, please don't take, take the kid to this one. Let them; they'll catch. You know, you can, maybe you just want to skip this one, uh, and maybe even Avengers Four, and let them come to it later. But uh, you know, wait for Ant Man and the Wasp because I think that one's going to be a lot more. Uh, <laughs> my kids; he's really hyped for that, so, that's, so it's all huh. good. He's a long, as long as he, yeah, he's really, really excited about that one. The giant uh, Pez
2: dispenser got him, huh?
1: Yes, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. So let's hope. That it doesn't end with uh, Paul Rudd uh, <laughs> turning into ash, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, I'm so sure yeah. I'm he
0: fine. He's immune to the ravages of time, as we know in real life. Yes, well,
1: yes. <laughs> therefore, his, his character can't die.
0: I, I'm hoping that they have. I'm hoping that they have Shuri be Black Panther yeah. for a little while <laughs> before T'Challa comes back. I don't know that they will. I don't know if they like money enough to get over themselves to let that happen. But um, mm-hmm. I think that would be amazing to do that. I think that having Black Panther get dissolved um, was a strategic error because it's going to delay their ability to do another movie with him. Right. But also, frankly, I mean, right. it would have had a huge emotional ap- impact if it was uh, Okoye dying, you know, disintegrating. You know,
2: yeah. Although you know. I, I wonder how much of that is, is due to the fact that it seems like they really want Ryan Coogler back.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and they, like, I, I saw um, something on, like, io9 or one of those sites in which they're basically saying, like, um, there's no hurry. You know, you come back, like, when you want to do Black Panther 2. Right. You know, we can, we can wait a little bit, as opposed to start of saying, you know, you need to sign on the dotted Dine right, right now right or right, we're moving right, on right. to someone
1: else. Yes, yeah, because he's trying to do a um, – he's trying to do the film about um, – the Atlanta uh, uh, testing scandal. So I know that's his next project which Yeah. Michael B. Jordan, which sounds fantastic as a teacher. I can't wait to see that. So right, it's, it it does give him some time to make another movie. Um, I think with the two part film, which this is still. It's funny how they've gone at such great lengths because finally the public just got uh, got uh, got sick of part you know the so and so part one and part two so they quickly scotched that. Okay, it's not Avengers Infinity War part 1 and 2. This is just Infinity War. The next one's just something different, which is like, come on, dude. It's going to pick up, you know, pretty yeah. quickly right after. This is a cliff is a cliffhanger. This is a two-part film. It's okay. I mean, this is at least at least you're not just taking one story and breaking it into two because it's the last. That 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 was really obnoxious and I'm I'm glad people sort of turned on that. But um yeah, I think that because of that two-year sort of window it's gonna. It's sort of built in. I don't even think if Black Panther hadn't died, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. Uh, it doesn't change their timeline any. I was very surprised that he went and not Okoye, and then Okoye was mm-hmm. left. And I always I, actually that was kind of cool that Okoye was one of the survivors because you know she's already sort of becoming this sort of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, she's becoming a pretty much a hero alongside mm-hmm. everyone else. Um, I loved seeing her in the R of the Marvel and the in, and the end of the opening credits, and I loved how um, I loved how quiet it was. You know, you didn't get the fanfare. You knew right away this is gonna be this is different. This is gonna be this is gonna be something different from what we've seen and the the moodiness of seeing, hearing it go silent. But anyway, I was struck by seeing her at the very end of the Marvel, um, you know, vanity plate there, and seeing her really kind of front and center. So. You know, yeah, I was very surprised that he went. But again, when Black Panther and Spider-Man go, you know, at that point, okay, so this is these people are coming back because they're working on Spider-Man 2 as we speak, or you know, at least the script, and uh, that's that's on the books. Um, the Guardians is, is a little – you don't know because the Guardians, that's a group. And so it could be a completely – it could be Rocket and a whole new team. It won't be. And they are, they are already yeah. set up. think it gets Dice Stallone team. and his, right, uh, right, his right, alternate group. Right. Oh, they right. so should so bring back the their
0: wife, Michelle Yeoh, but that's another story. Yes,
1: yes. They have
0: a one uh,
1: line. Yeah, hopefully they, they, they will expand her uh, a bit um, because, yeah, she's certainly – deserves it and deserves to be front and center um yeah we will see you know one thing i was wanted to say is and I'm, I'm as i said i'm teaching a class on david fincher right now so of course this is the the goggles through which i'm viewing things but i told my fincher class so i'm we met on friday afternoon at uh, two and 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 this is you know, I know some of them had seen it some a lot of them hadn't and i just i said you know what actually it's kind of like the marvel movie david fincher would make hmm. <laughs> and i didn't i couldn't go it with because, you know, I don't spoiling, but the fact that it opens with the survivors of Thor Ragnarok slurred, uh, that part comes back to Alien 3, which was, like, considered one of the no Like, you can't start an Alien film killing the, the survivors of the previous Alien film in the credits, which, effectively, they do. I mean, there's no... the pre-credits sequence where most of them... Uh, all, are, although we are meant to understand that some of the Asgardians have survived, or maybe were jettisoned in escape pods or what have you, even though it looked like they were all dead to me. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, just the 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 ending. I mean, this is just something that uh, uh, I I could totally see him getting behind. You know, his famous quote, which in the, one of the books I'm using is called Films That Scar. Him saying that I don't I don't even know that I like think movies should entertain. I prefer the films that scar. So, yeah, it's like almost this is it doesn't maybe have the style, uh, the, the st- stylistic panache of a of a Fincher film. But I could see this is like, yeah, this is definitely uh, the film, the superhero film he would make, because it's such an interesting study on how heroes can fail. You know, and it's not because because of their human foibles and, you know, Star Wars can't control his temper and all that. And and, and all these little things that that that, that match up and it ends up that they they can't make it. And that possibly the failure is part of the process. You know, they have to fail now to be successful later. So yeah, I just I I, I found that really kind of, you know, an unexpected connection to make with the with this and and, and Mr. Fincher. Hmm. Um
2: I, I do want to tee off very quickly about the Thor Ragnarok thing. Just because like my one critique of the film and you know, I'm I'm gonna keep an open mind for Uh, Number four is that um, it feels like a lot of the character work that was done in Thor Ragnarok and a lot of the thematic work, you know, the refugee Asgardians, you know, don't get to a new home. They get wiped out. Um, Yeah. You know, his his repaired relationship with Loki ends brutally. Thor gets a new eye and a new axe to sort of replace, you know, like – it's like Dumbo gets a new magic feather instead of, you know, learning that he, he had the power. <laughs> yeah, and right, 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 on. right. Oh, and, well. you know, I'm, you know, willing to extend the the um, benefit of the doubt, but I think, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about like thinking about the future. I think they're going to need to, um, to the extent that they roast stuff back, they might need to roast stuff back on this because otherwise, I I wonder if you're going to be able to get and keep talented filmmakers like Taika Waititi back if they feel like their work is going to be undone uh, immediately after it's finished. Now, maybe some people won't care, but I do feel like, you know, if I was a director, that would kind of get my back up.
1: Yeah, I actually did wonder. I mean, I mean, of course, he's not going to. He's not gonna uh, take to uh, do a Kanye style uh, tirade or anything, <laughs> but yeah, I did kind of think about that. Like, wow, what you know? For and he he must have known, of course, you know, had some idea of this making the film. But right, it is very interesting that it, everything he set up and you know uh, Korg and everything, and, and then just boom, it's gone. You know, right? Just you know, before the movies even started, that's all been wiped out and. Um, uh, I, I don't even know if Thor to me is like the most curious sort of sub, uh, franchise because they've clearly kind of rediscovered him at this late time, late date. And it seemed like he was sort of, they were winding him up and now it just seems like there's a lot more, they realize there's a lot of un, uncovered territory with Thor. Uh, even though now there's no more Asgard and much of his, uh, his supporting, uh, uh, cast has been sort of decimated. Uh, I, but yeah, but but uh, Hemsworth is still having a blast, and 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 clearly this this working with y t p seems to have restored his sort of his interest in his fire mm-hmm. for the character. So it'll be curious. It'll be very interesting to see where if they go, you know do another Thor film or if they just sort of bring him in the way the Hulk was brought in for Ragnarok. um but also, uh, of course, uh, Tessa Thompson's character was so popular. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go because, right, it seems like the four is 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 ready to, to to take his place amongst the sort of pantheon, you know, path into legend and sort of. But, but it seems like he's not doesn't feel like he's ready to do that yet. So, um, and it was fun to see him to get this sort of like, oh yeah, you guys are in trouble now, slot, which. I always feel like Thor has constantly been uh, to, to to borrow my, my 18 year old's favorite word has been nerfed. A lot of the series that Thor is sort of underplayed his strength. Uh, they underplay his strength and his power. And now finally, it feels like, yes, Thor, he shows up. That's a game changer right there. You know, and the axe the new axe comes through the Bifrost and starts wiping out everybody. So it's cool to see him finally sort of come into his own. So it'd be, you know, I, I hope that we have more than one more film with him.
0: Well, let's talk about predictions, you know. I mean, ah, yes. I, I really do think ultimately, look, this is what happened in the comics. I'm, I feel like a version of this will happen. You know, somebody else gets control of the gauntlet and rolls back time. I think in the process of this, making this happen, we will have many of the characters who are alive now die for real.
1: Yeah. Resetting
0: yeah. the people who got dissolved back to life right. again, right? Right,
1: right, right. Um,
0: I would love to see Nebula, who they actually did a better job of developing now, Marvel, like the one she did in the comics, of being the person who does that. I don't know how much of that will her. Obviously Captain Marvel, in case folks didn't pick it up, uh, Captain Marvel was being beepered by Nick Seary at the end of the movie's second post, well, one and only, I should say, post-credits um, sequence. And I love that it was a pager, because the whole point is she disappeared right. in the 90s. She right, just, right. You know, right. Carol disappeared in the 90s, so they uh, had to use a pager to reach her. I yeah, love, that is that's that. very funny. Yeah,
1: that's really good. And so
0: those are the main things that I have in terms of predictions. I really do think like the, those who are dead will rise, and those who are alive will, will fall is, is going to be a, a big reversal. Um, what mm-hmm. do you guys think is going to happen next? And what do you think of what did you think of the choices they made in the ending, Stephen?
2: Um, well, I mean, I, I do agree with your overall thesis. I think it's not an accident at all that the people who are left are overwhelmingly the, the sort of the OGs and, you know, whose contracts are coming to an end and the people, most of the people who died are the, are the newer folks who have, uh, upcoming movies. Um, so I think they'll probably do a switcheroo of some kind. Um, you know, I'm firmly of the belief that a lot of this is going to be done through forms of time travel, uh, because mm. you know, they. I, I felt like uh, almost uh, you know to go back to go to a different filmmaker, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan, right? You know the, the Prestige, right? You know there's the pledge, the Prestige, and the reveal, and they like really set it up for us that like Doctor Strange will stop at nothing to defend the Time Stone. He will not give it up for any reason. And then he looks into the future and he finds the one way to do it. And then all of a sudden he goes completely back on what he said before and, you know, hands Thanos the time stone. It's like, Hey, no trick. And so I think we're going to get a lot of time travel, like not just within the events of, um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: of this film, but like, I think they're going to do their like, vic- to the extent that they can do like a victory lap through the whole. Right. Fr- Cause like, that right. would be the thing to blow people's minds in the right. second
1: film.
2: Like a the first film was like, okay, we
1: killed everybody. Second right. film
2: is like, we are just going to take a victory lap through our whole
1: fucking franchise because no one future, can do this like us. Back to the Future Part Two kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, back yeah. To the scenes of that, right, right, right. I love that prediction.
0: I just really hope that it doesn't end up with Doctor Strange being a big hero because that's the last character that I need to see in case <laughs> <Tasting> and gold. <laughs> As the no, of no, us
1: no. okay. I, I agree with, with everyone's predictions. Uh, totally, yes. I didn't it was not lost on me that the 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 OGs are left standing and the the, the people who are the presumably the future of the of the of Marvel Studios fell and that's gonna get reversed. I also think it's going it's all going to come down to Tony and he will be the Nebula. Nebula, it's not for nothing mm-hmm. are they the the two people that are left on Titans. It's Tony and Nebula who have to figure out, a, you know, find a ship and, and head back to Earth. So Oh, yeah, shit, you're, right. Yeah, you're uh, right. yeah. They
2: do have a ship.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, but no, I, oh, but you're I, right,
2: though. It's
0: Tony and Nebula together. Good God. Right.
1: good, yeah, job. good job. So, yeah, so they, they've they got her ship, and then the Milano presumably is there yeah. if, if, the, if the moon didn't crutch it. Uh, but, you know, one way or another, they're going to get off of Titan and head back to Earth and start dealing. Right, so it's going to be sort of the two of them – who have to make the big sacrifice also let's remember tony uh envisioned a child with pepper and so if he gets the, the gauntlet um oh, before, he, before, before he makes that big sacrifice he can just you know retcon uh an eight-year-old uh w- wisecracking boy genius uh with uh, you know hair uh. somewhere between blonde and dark and and then he can say goodbye to everything. And have oh, my guys. God. That would be yes. a
2: crazy, like, brick, uh, yeah. j- backwards brick joke of, right. like, that the would... maudlin kid from Iron Man 3 is a creation <laughs> of a fucking Infinity Gauntlet. That <laughs> would blow my mind. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I didn't see Iron Man 3. That's the one I haven't seen, but wow. Uh, okay. yeah, I, just, I mean, so, it's Tony Shane Black. It's that, pretty good. He cannot, <laughs> he cannot just go and, like, Create some kid and leave it with his girlfriend because um, <laughs> she did not say that she wanted to have a baby right then. She
1: didn't, she but didn't if you know. Make the
0: assumption or that she would want to do this solo. She might not. We don't know. Right. Oh my God. Right, it would right. be very Tony, but like, fuck you, right. Tony. It'd be very right. Tony, right. I mean, to be fair, she's
2: been you, used tony. to raising a child on her own for.
1: However long <laughs> she's
2: been working for Tony <laughs> Stark.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <It's> just <laughs> a younger yeah, just a younger kid, right. But uh yeah, so that's what I'm seeing. So yes, yeah, st- I think Strange has already done his big you know, he'll of course he'll have more to do, but he's already sort of un unbeknownst to everyone, sort of done the big the thrown the long pass and uh yeah, totally I couple my wife kind of, and I kind of caught that the first time. And the second time it was absolutely clear that that's what Cumberbatch was working with That You know, this is, this has to happen, but this is the, you know, this is the end game. And, you know, this is the, this is the next step. And I know uh, this is, you know, you're going to, um, I know I, there's a reason why I'm saving you because you're the one who's going to, because, you know, it that all started with, it all started with Tony and then, so this phase will end with him, you know?
2: I did see another interesting theory, which is that, um, you know, because we saw the soul of Gamora in the Soul Stone, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that it's possible that everyone that Thanos killed with the snap is also in the Soul Stone. So that could be like, you know, you could have sort of one plot, which is like Doctor Strange and like time travel weirdness. And you could have another plot, which is like everyone in the Soul Stone. Yeah, you know, I'm just you know again thinking about like kaleidoscopes, right? What's another yeah. way that you could like jumble all these characters together is like take everyone who, you know, who died and like have them, you know, have them have their own fight in the in this sort of like I don't know Infinity Stone verse, whatever you want to call it.
1: Right. It's, called Soul, lot it's
2: called
0: Soul World. It's called Soul World in the comics.
2: Uh huh. Um, but there is no Don
0: Cornelius, unfortunately. <laughs> I would
1: love for him to be the ruler of Soul World. I'm kind of yeah, relieved. Way, I'm relieved that the Soul Stone wasn't in Wakanda because that would have been just a bit much. But oh but... Yeah, 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 there were a lot of predictions of that. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh right. no,
0: really? Oh <laughs> right.
1: Well, in
0: David that, F. Walker's right. comic uh, with Luke Cage and Iron Fist, uh, they have something called the Super Soul Stone which is a um, an item of, quote, hood magic that um, <laughs> it's stolen by Black Mariah. It's a whole thing. But I was like, oh, God, the Super Soul Stone is kind of the best right. joke
1: ever.
2: So right. um, speaking of, of sort of like characters arriving a little bit late on the scene, one of the things that kind of like blew my mind a little bit that I just actually just this minute thought about is given the way that Adam Warlock was like previewed at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 – it's going to be really fucking hilarious if they bring him in for Gar- for Guardians 3 and right. the Infinity Gauntlets already happens. Like his whole right. raison d'etre in the comics is done.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's going to be in 4. I mean, maybe they cast somebody and it's, they're, they're just being hush-hush. We don't know. But, right, it seems like if he was really a player in 4, would there be some sort of inkling or something but yeah i don't know it, 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 is that adam warlock that's just going to turn up in in guardians 3 um and of course the big it'll be very fun to see what happens with the stones once you know this is presumably uh you know thanos is presumably defeated you know what are, now what do we do with these stones you know and, um how do we how do we make, how, who can be custodians of these things and how do we make sure you know um, some warlord doesn't take them again. Um, We, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't, yeah. Who knows if maybe that's where guardians three goes. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, 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 it seems that there's a lot of people wondering about warlock and where he, where he fits in. But again, uh, who knows? I mean, Avengers four, they've been pretty good about not letting us know anything whatsoever, uh, including the damn title. So (laughs) Um, aside from the picture of, uh, Evans and Downey, uh, uh, on set together with Evans in the original, the, the, the first Avengers costume and, um, and, and Robert Downey Jr. is wearing that sort of tracksuit thing. Um, so, which, yeah, it's hard. So you don't know if it's like, is this time travel? Is this, you know, he looks, Tony looks like now, but yeah, Evans could be the 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 cap of 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 the first Avengers. So we uh, first Avengers film. So we don't know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah,
2: apparently there was also a photo of um, uh, Chris Hemsworth with, with his original long haircut. Mm, mm-hmm,
1: um, mm.
2: and apparently they've also uh, recast uh, Cassie Lang, Ant Man's daughter, to an older actress mm-hmm. from the one. Playing her in the upcoming Ant Man and the Wasp,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so it may be like one of the things I was thinking about is like, oh shit, what if they're going backwards and forwards and like to alternate timelines? Right, that would be just really out of there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, and yeah, again, this is Avengers Four is the finale. It's the it is the victory lap. So right to to have them revisit the earlier films, if you will. Yeah, definitely the, that that totally tracks. That makes sense. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it's just funny how just the m- almost erotic uh, intensity with which people are regarding Cap's death. Like it's just like is he you know in oh. acting, and I oh, love that oh, he's sitting he's sitting there at the end saying oh God and having everyone else is disintegrated around him and it's like so many people that just like oh Cap's gonna die. Cap's gonna. die. It's like almost and now it's like it just built up to this like fear. He's gonna die. We're gonna see it and like and he doesn't. So. I do yeah we we will uh I, I don't know how we, again it, the reversal definitely seems like that's very possible um because yeah it just yeah it was very it was striking although rocket i guess he rocket is in there with the the survivors of the 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 old guard survivors but uh you know I will see maybe and maybe bradley cooper is getting, getting tired of this uh, uh, doing the voice work i don't know
0: eh, i doubt it voice work is so much fun how could he get tired of that i i, I mean rocket will... It takes nothing.
1: It, it takes nothing away from his life. He doesn't have to do a lot of press. He doesn't do a lot of no. press for them. And he doesn't have different.
2: to do a thousand crunches a day.
1: Exactly. Right, right,
0: like like right. poor poor Star Lord.
1: Right, I was right, like, right. leave him alone. Yeah. You know, I shimmy him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was like, did he did he gain just a little bit of weight just just so it, this would be funnier that that uh, he's standing next to Thor now? Because right, if you look at the his face looked just a little bit rounder than it has in the past, but uh, yeah, it's um, that that uh, yeah that 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 played uh, very well, and um, you know yeah, I'm very curious to see where where that goes. Star Lord is that one character like I it's hard to imagine them not just d- dispatching him, but you know who knows maybe maybe so. Um, this was this was yeah. interesting. But... I did see
2: like speaking of fan backlash, the most I've seen is like there are some people out there mad at Star-Lord.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I heard that. As I, I heard fucking Star-Lord as, as I was coming on the escalator from the... Yeah, that's true. If he doesn't die, they're going to have to really kind of... He's going to have to redeem himself. If he's going to come back, he's going to have to redeem himself for that because among the blunders that kind of cost, you know, that allow this all to happen. And, of course, Thor, I've arguably... Uh, did just as bad by not just uh, not going for know. the head, <laughs> yeah. no, or hacked that hand off, and then yeah. You know, Although uh, you, know, you know he
2: didn't do anything actively like right, right, uh, right. He didn't blow the right, yeah. right. He made
0: a he made but, an uh, error, but it was not based on being a fucker. It was right. based on him not being the brightest, uh,
1: right, the brightest right. sword in the thing. And can thing. I just say, I, I was not pleased with the design of of Stormbreaker. Uh, Mm. And I just thought the the whole thing of Groot, I mean, it's a cute idea, but come on, really? It it is sweet, sweet, but come on, this is the hammer. This is Thor is going to be swinging this thing with all his might. It just, I I need something a little more substantial than, you know, Groot, uh, Groot's branch from Groot. Uh, It's the power
2: of Groot's love.
1: <laughs> well, I yeah. can't argue with that now, can I? You, you yeah. it. It's the same
2: reason why, like, Cap was not shattered into a billion pieces. You know, going mano a mano with Thanos It's like, okay. you know, oh, it's, oh. it's if your heart is true, then you have right. the strength of ten.
1: Yes, because it was definitely on Thanos's face. Why am I not crushing this guy? Right, right. That was I. I totally got that. There's something between maybe you know, because Cap's heart and the Soul Stone. I don't know. Uh, maybe the soul stone is the key to Thanos' undoing because it's the one that's, I I, I just get, you know been, as I research, that's the one that's the most sentient, uh, has sort of a will of its own, and yeah, yeah. it almost is like a that special you know, he, wisdom right, he, 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 and it, how amazing sort of was that
2: history. deep cut? yeah, yeah, what was? the bringing back the red skull, like that, oh, red skull, I did yeah, not yeah. expect that at all
1: Here's my failed, my failed uh, 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 prediction is that we were going to find out that Corvus Glaive was actually Red Skull. That was my, oh, my, okay. my second. I, I knew we were getting rid of Loki right away. I could figure that out. But I, mean, I thought Corvus Glaive. I knew somehow Red Skull was going to be in this. I thought it was going to be Corvus Glaive, and therefore Corvus Glaive might kill him and then reveal as he's driving the you know, pike into him that it's actually Red Skull. And then 70 years later, he finally did it. But no, that's <laughs> not what case. Lord. Right, right, right. But no, I, I I dug that. It was this. It was it was such a great, you know, uh, comic book element thing to have this, you know, him as this race that's sort of haunting, uh, the Soul Stone. Right. I just said that was a that was a great touch, and that was not Hugo Weaving, by the way, who apparently wanted yeah. nothing more more to do with the the character. Or the really? Franchise. Yeah. They got a they got a sound alike, and probably did something cooked his voice to. to sound like weaving and yeah they and they were able to they, just they hooked him up the,
2: to the uh peter cushing machine huh
1: yeah exactly <laughs> and so yeah it was pretty it was pretty impressive i because i didn't know um but uh yeah my, it was real fuck yeah yeah i did too my 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 kid's uh friend said to uh, point texted me later uh because he went with us to see it and then cleared that up but yeah so I so I knew Red Spell was coming back but I did I didn't have the right uh I, I didn't get the right character. I, I, I kinda felt that because it, him going up into space with the space with the Tesseract, uh form you know, before it was the space stone. Uh I, I knew that somehow that we were he was that was gonna he was gonna turn up now. Well I thought
2: the
0: reveal with Peter Dinklage was like it just took me a second <laughs> and I said, Wow. Oh
1: yeah. Um,
2: yeah was sort
0: of a strange place for him to show up, but okay. He
2: got got some funny lines. I was like, okay, you know, you're having to like say some ridiculous shit about, you know, you know, forging things in the heart of a star and you know, Mm -hmm. dying. Dying is what I have to do again. Well, I was I was gonna say like it it kind Mm -hmm. of redeemed him a little bit from the from the destiny voice work that he got uh, he got so much shit for. Um, But I really did love that joke about you know. It's it's going to kill you.
1: Only if I die, that's that's right. what killing you means. Right, right. No, that yeah. was a great bit with having him be a, a you know this giant dwarf, um, and and kicking Thor around. Um, yeah, uh, that whole scene worked. I like I say I, I, I it was an interesting place for them to go, and it definitely gave it this you know making uh, Nidavellir this space station gave it this very epic quality. Um, as opposed to just being part of the Asgardian continent, which now is no more. Um, so yeah, that was, that that was cool. Um, and again, yeah, I think the Rocket and Thor kind of, uh, uh, camaraderie definitely uh, definitely was one of the highlights of the film. I always say that you know, if they just did Rocket and Groot films, uh, a series of those, that would it would they they go over it very well. Because even though, I mean, as much as we love all the Guardians. Um, and Mantis got a little, uh, the, the, the sort of forgotten guardian, mm-hmm. but she got, she did a little bit better than she did in the, certainly in the second film. Um, and I, uh, and would have been very integral to the defeat of Thanos if Star-Lord hadn't been such a, uh, su- such a sunny Corleone and screw up everything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nice to, it was nice to see her get a real, uh, big part in that, um, you know, so. Actually,
2: speaking of, of death, and th- this wasn't even like a, a, a sort of a death death, the bit where Thanos uses the reality stone to like sc- crumble um, uh, tracks into like blocks and the like weird leathery thing that he turns Mantis into, that freaks me. That like got me on oh, some yeah. weird like subconscious <laughs> phobia level like oh, no, people should not be turned into fruit roll-ups. That's, that's really wrong. <laughs> yeah, that was actually
0: a pretty artistic moment. I, I, I feel like there's a number of, of visuals from the movie that really stood out, and that is one of them. I'll tell you one thing that did not work for me is I thought the score was completely fucking boring.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree. The, was, only, I, part I, of the, the
2: only part of the score I liked is the bit where you're Thanos is coming in at Wakanda in the end and the, the sort of the mm-hmm. drums merging with his footsteps, I thought was kind of cool, but yeah, mm-hmm. the the rest, not so
1: much. That was uh, Alan Silvestri who's having a late career Renaissance since they, uh, he originally did the score for, well, the thing he's most famous for is back to the future. Uh, and he got called up out of retirement, uh, not retirement, but he just, I, I haven't seen the guy's credit in quite a while. Uh, Spielberg asked him to do Ready Player One, and now here he is with uh, with this with uh, Avengers. So it's kind of a cool little a little story. But yeah, I actually kind of found myself wishing that was they had just gone a completely a different direction uh, for the music here. Um, I don't know, either just like a a, a, a metal score or <laughs> or or a Giorgio Moroder kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah the music. Didn't do a lot, but I guess it's Avengers, so you gotta have the just you gotta have that that fanfare going with an orchestra, and there's not you know much room for it. Maybe the next one they can do something a little more interesting. Um, I did
2: like that we got one Guardians pop song. That was like a nice yeah. little moment.
1: Yes, and it was kind of a brilliant bit of like coding you know you you hear rubber band man and then the, you just you know you know it's a 70s song and before when you when banner is flipping the flip phone and you cut the space it does a great like okay there well, we go this is the guardians because you know space plus uh some funky music we know we know that's them and that's that's pretty cool that that you know gun has created something that specific where it just goes. And I mean, it was also, I mean, interesting reading about how much Marcus and Feely, the the screenwriters, who looks like they're, this may be their sort of final thing that they're moving on to work for the Russo brothers uh, company. So it doesn't sound like they're <laughs> going to stay. They've been like the workhorse screenwriters for Marvel, but it seems like they're, this uh, Avengers uh, three and four might be it for them. But yeah, apparently they really had to sort of have sit downs with like Coogler with like T, with, with gun and really kind of, make sure that that what they were writing was consonant with what they had established in their solo films which that's a really unique sort of uh challenge for a screenwriter uh of a blockbuster it's like not only do you have to write something good you got to make sure it checks with everything and apparently there's something that star lord did it may be the big the big uh the the, the uh, that they were not sure about, and Gunn said yes to it, and so did Chris Pratt. They both agreed he would do this. So, and I'm I'm presuming it's the fact that he lost his head and cost cost everything. But yeah, I thought that was uh, was really interesting that this is that, that yeah. they are trying to respect everyone's sort of vision and you know, Waititi. Apparently, there's a gag. white T made a few jokes just off the top of his head that wound up in, uh, in the script coming out of Thor's mouth. So in the film, I should okay. say. Uh, yeah. So there was an, an input. I mean, you know, they're just so smart over there Then they, they really, they, they don't do the stupid Hollywood expedient things of figuring, Oh, these fucking idiots will pay. They don't, it doesn't matter. Like they, you know, they not, not to sound like too much of a fanboy, but I mean, they, the Marvel studios honchos, they really, obviously they know that they, they're, they're, the the audience really demands it be uh, demands the best from them and and they and they do they really do their best to deliver fun fact uh, Joe Russo so one, was a, one, uh, just one thing fun fact Joe Russo was a year behind me in film hello? school you oh really can you, can you hear me hello Alana can yeah. you hear me oh sorry uh, I
0: saying,
1: so I, I was just saying fun Joe, Joe Russo was a year behind me in film school. And uh, I had one single conversation with him because he dropped out uh, about a month in. So uh, as happens at film school, people drop out and uh, they decide it's not for them. So I had one conversation with him late night in the sort of common area. We were both editing something about like Tarantino or whatever. And and then uh, the next day I knew he was gone and he took a short film with his brother and went to Sundance and Soderbergh liked it and the rest is history.
0: Wow, that's amazing!
1: Yeah. I never, never knew. So
0: one last thing I wanted to live on is you—you know, you guys probably have a lot of friends who haven't seen all the Marvel movies. I know I do too, and I've yeah. been helping them about what they need to see before they see the movie. And I've been trying to keep it as minimal as possible. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I think that you, I feel like my list definitely was uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Captain America, uh, Civil War, which is basically an Avengers movie. Um, and then Thor Ragnarok, which I realized mm-hmm. I probably didn't have to put in there. I just like it so much. And Black Panther as the ones you have to see. Because the reason is, look, and the movie, the movie did such a good job of introducing Doctor Strange that you don't even need to actually watch Doctor Strange. Mm, uh, I, can, I mean, the I movie, even, agree, the movie yeah. even introduces really raw. The movie even introduces Wong really well. Don't need to yeah. watch Doctor Strange. You don't need to watch Spidey because the way – because you, people already know the Spider-Man origin story. Like, and the yeah. movie just handles, okay, this is who Star Man is, and I guess he has a relationship with Iron Man of some sort, of a mentorship. That's all you need to know. And watching Guardians is completely unnecessary. Guardians 2 is completely unnecessary. Guardians One is kind of unnecessary because Peter tells you who he tells you his origin story and Gamora's origin story when you first meet mm-hmm. them, and all you need to know about them really is that they're space rogues, and you can tell that from the fact that when you meet them, they're like jamming out to tunes and going to go rescue somebody and debating whether or not they should take money or not.
2: That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of
0: it, right? So I don't know. What do you guys think, folks? Need to watch or not? Um,
2: I would throw the first Avengers on there.
0: Okay, Um, yeah.
2: Just because, you know, for one thing, you know, uh, as I was uh, scrolling through uh, Tumblr, uh, people have have been noticing that they're like shot for shot, you know, callbacks. Um, I might throw in, um, you know, maybe the first Guardians or the second. I don't think you'd need both. Um, Definitely not. The second second. Guardian... Well, actually, I think the second Guardian might work better because they did a lot of work with Nebula and Gamora and their relationship with Thanos in that film um, that they didn't do in the first one. Like Nebula is not a very good character in guardians one. She doesn't have um, much characterization or backstory. Whereas um, you know, the um, in, in guardians Two when they have that sort of like heart to heart slash trying to murder each other moment, like, that's the first time where I really bought them as as sisters, and like I don't know to be honest if I would have like really bought what's you know uh their scenes in this movie without having that like grounding
1: mhm um yeah, of course I've thought about this uh, <laughs> as you know it, it's arduous for people to watch uh um 18 movies, I guess. So I I have totally thought about this. I'm going to go with the following. I'm going to start chronological uh, as time of release, not when the story takes place. I'm going to go, I think I would actually start with Guardians because that's our first proper introduction to Thanos. That's, uh, you know, that also sets up that it's, you know, when they say, oh, Xandar is decimated and that look of, uh, you know, that uh, Peter uh, registers on Star Lord's face. I, I think it's kind of cool like, if you know the sort of the this how big the galaxy the star Wars, the Marvel universe is at this point. That's kind of a good thing. Uh, mm. I as much as I adore the first Avengers, I think I would actually skip it and say go to uh, Age of Ultron only because
2: really?
1: of the vision that, that Tony has. Oh, the yeah. you know it's the beginning of this thing of you know that's the real sort of the first sort of foreshadow. That something really terrible and huge is going to happen, and it's in, and 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 it's motivating. And Tony is completely haunted by it because, of course, he's the one because he's the first, he's our first hero in the in the story, and so he's carrying this. So I think I would go with Age of Ultron, even though it's a very flawed film, and um, you know, one of the Highly. you know definitely, you know, definitely the weakest of the Avengers so far. Uh, and then next, I would say Civil War. Um, just so you understand, like, completely the, the stakes and uh, that are the, the emotional state where we the, where they're picking up uh, at this point, and how completely, um, and you know, Civil Wars, of course, is also a flawed film in many ways, and, and it's very clear that the Sokovia Accords are completely just. You know, sort of being used just to—all that really we needed was to break up the uh, break up the Avengers. And like the Beatles. Really, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and they haven't really—they haven't really done a lot with that, or the Accords or what that means at all. But, again, they could I guess the, yeah. they, they totally could have, and they, they completely sort of... It's just been sort of dropped or forgotten, and, you know, doesn't come up in Spider-Man, which doesn't make any sense for it to not come up. But, in any case, yeah, I think Civil War still, there's a, you know, to know where these people were and where they left off. Um, And if I... So, I would keep it to those three. If I had to say a fourth, it probably would be Thor, Ragnarok, and then you sort of really... Because, yeah, that's the... Thor Ragnarok, and I tweeted this earlier and Alana saw it, that Thor Ragnarok's the only film that leads chronologically directly into um, Infinity War. Even Black Panther is really set two years ago uh, because a, a lot of the most of the films since Civil War have been taking place in the immediate aftermath of Civil War, even though, regardless of the year of release, so if the 2017 films, um, you know, except for uh, uh, Ragnarok, are all sort of set earlier in the story uh, or earlier in time. So I think it's kind of important to do that. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't. I, Doctor Strange is somewhere in the middle for me as far as the overall ranking, and you know, it's not a it's not a bad film, but. Yeah, we kind of didn't really need that film, to be frank. I mean, <laughs> we kind of could have just had introduced Doctor Strange in this film, um, and, and it would have been just fine, um, you know, I, so, you I, I know, I, and of course, my other issue with Doctor Strange is I will never, ever, ever get over Keanu Reeves not being Doctor Strange, it just will never, <laughs> I I will never, ever be able to, and Cumberbatch is obviously a fine actor, but I just will never not in my head be seeing uh, Keanu Reeves <laughs> as a, uh, his, his strange, um, you know, having him go head to head with Robert Downey Jr. And they're both about the same age and, you know, have about the same length of career. I just, I, that one I just can't get over. That's the one good head cast. I can't, I can't let go, but I mean, uh, yeah, I don't I think that. Th- yeah. I mean, so, I
0: don't think that whether or not a movie contributed to this movie's existence or success is really, you know, is, 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 is a rubric that I, that I care about, but I definitely feel like, you know, there was a lot of things about Doctor Strange that were not, well, whatever, folks can listen to my Doctor Strange episode if they so choose. I, I definitely <laughs> appreci- appreciated that the movie sort of taking the piss out of itself, talking about, um, was it, well, kid, there's a wizard and he's trying to steal a magic necklace, um, mm-hmm. is, a, is a fun way to sort of lampshade what exactly is going on for new viewers as well, in fact. But um
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, I feel you know, I I really love Thor Ragnarok and I might that might not necessarily be required for this. If I'm it depends depends how brutal I'm gonna be in my judgment for folks. Um like it is immediately preceding this movie, but in some ways you're sort of open up with like an explanation of what's happening now. Like you don't even need to know that Asgard was destroyed. You're just like, oh, There was a ship full of people, of Thor's people, and they all got the shit kicked out of them by this evil guy. He must really be dangerous. I mean, that's sort of the point. I don't know, but I do really love that movie. I feel like the more I I talk about Thor Ragnarok, the more I feel like its political subtext was unfortunately too subtle for the audience, but Mm -hmm. it's still still there, you know, still there nonetheless. Well we're coming up on an hour and a half, so I wanna just ask if you guys have any final thoughts about the movie that you wanted to share? Mm-hmm. Stephen, do you want to hit us up? Anyhow, um, don't feel like you have sh-
2: to. I just you know, I it holds up on a second viewing. Um I need to uh figure out some way to like make sure that my younger brother goes and sees it. I don't know if I'd do it a third time. Uh maybe like once it comes out on on Blu-ray or streaming or something like that. Um, I I definitely, you know, it is making me want to, like, go back to my collection and, like, start from Iron Man and and just, you know, uh, reminisce
1: with the characters.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: What about you,
1: Brandon? Uh, Yeah, I think that um, for me, I'm really, really interested to see how the inevitable resurrections are handled, um, it's going to be really tricky because bringing people back on the one hand, it could make what we just went through feel like this cheap stunt and maybe then people would be angry Um, and then of course, this is kind of what comic books do, so there is an argument to be sort of truthful to that spirit, but I'm really curious to see how the resurrections happen, and if yes, if we really are the people that are surviving are end up being the having to sort of swap out. Um, so I'm very curious to see where they go. I hope that the fights are a little more, have a little more, panache, you know, kind of panache. And I, I think that with Kugler and ytt they really delivered such great. I mean, it's hard to beat Thor in slow motion. Uh, emitting lightning with Led zeppelin um that you know that's mm-hmm. that's clearly one of the great moments of the entire m c u and I really did kind of miss the um as well though the though the the though infinity war you do kind of have this sort of you know stone in your stomach uh no pun intended uh throughout it. you do feel like this is really serious, this is not like everything else this is there are consequences here. I do. I do wish that the fights had been a little more. I mean, they're they're done well enough, but I, I just think that the bar has been really set for some like for for a cool fight scenes um, that really give you a sense of the characters' uh, styles and who they are by how they handle themselves in that kind of combat. And uh, I hope the next one uh, we get, uh, you know, a little bit more of that than than we did this time.
0: Cool. Well, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate your time. Um, I. Keep forgetting to introduce myself at the beginning of the show. This is your host Elon Eleven, aka Elon in Brooklyn. That's me on Twitter as Elana underscore Brooklyn. Uh, where can our listeners find each of you guys on the internet? Brandon, you first.
1: Uh, well, I tweet about uh, qu- quite a lot as Genius Bastard, one word, regular spelling, Genius Bastard. Um, I also have a blog, um, uh, geniusbastard.blogspot.com. Uh, So, yes, uh, please visit me there. And Stephen?
2: You can find my work at uh, Graphic Policy, at Race Free Iron Throne, at Lawyers, Guns, and Money, and on Twitter at Stephen Atwell.
0: Fabulous. And so anyone coming into this episode late, this episode will be on iTunes uh, later tonight, SoundCloud and Stitcher, and on our website, graphicpolicy.com which you should check out every day for tons of comics, news and reviews and pop culture coverage. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Michelle Perez and Remy Boydell to talk about their new graphic novel, The Pervert. It's really fabulous. Uh, Quote, a surprisingly honest and touching account of a trans girl surviving through sex work in Seattle. Really interesting and powerful book and also funny in places. Um, So I hope you guys will join me then. And in the meantime, as we say, keep it geeky.